0: I think I'm going to call this episode "This Is Us" because, although it's just been about me, why don't you talk? You
1: no, you about? did. I, I think I.
0: I love that TV show right now. So, have you all seen it? You, what do you love about it? Let's talk
1: about it. <laughs> <laughs> what do I love about it? I love how happy it makes you.
0: You don't really love it. Tell the truth. Love. You only watch it because I watch it.
1: If you were gone, <laughs> you would not watch I, it. I would not watch it.
0: Ugh. It makes me hurt a little bit But you know what, you love me enough to watch it with me Yeah
1: You are listening to episode 145 of the God-Centered Dad Podcast <laughs> With me, Bruce V. McFadden III Today I am interviewing well-known, well-traveled podcaster
0: Well-traveled
1: Heather one. McFadden I'm Crazy Thank you for joining me today
0: Thank you for having me, Bruce
1: Look, I, I don't want to lie. There's been a lot of a lot of interest. I think I think two or three people have asked me if we're going to do this. And so, just you know, really glad glad we're here.
0: I'm glad we could sit together at nose level with my shoes mm-hmm. on the floor of my closet. I can smell them. <laughs> oh yeah, no, we're both stuffed up, so we can't smell. Them. It works. It That's
1: works. Right. It does. It does work.
0: Thanks y'all for sending in questions uh, last minute on Instagram and Facebook. Um. I guess this is your show. You're just to I'm taking
1: off your yeah. show. <laughs> okay. All right. Look, I'm just jump right in. Look, you know, I think as a, we looked at the questions, there's a lot of, a lot of interest in just understanding who you are. Yeah. People hear you talk to other people, but they probably, it sounds like they're curious about you and your background. So where did Heather McFadden get started?
0: Uh, no, I wasn't Heather McFadden to start.
1: No, that's a good place to start.
0: Um, Heather Price. That's where I started. Heather Price in Indiana, just a little Hoosier growing up in, uh, like five acres of land and homeschooled. And I had two much older siblings, which you guys have heard me talk about. And then my younger brother and all same parents and, uh, yeah. And a Christian home. I grew up in a Christian home. Mm -hmm.
1: And then we met in college. Your freshman year, my senior year. Yeah,
0: somebody wanted to know how we met. And you were a senior, and I was a freshman, and you had actually gone in consortium to another school. Correct. Consortium is when you can spend a semester at a different university and get credit. So you were at Wheaton, and I was visiting an ex-boyfriend at Wheaton, and met you through a mutual friend. And uh, then you came back to school, to Taylor University, and I asked you on our first date.
1: That's correct. So we started dating my last semester of college, my senior year, and it was Heather's second semester her freshman year.
0: And you had told me when I met you the fall of my freshman year that freshmen shouldn't date, I think is what you told yeah, me. Yeah, it was
1: first semester freshman.
0: Oh, okay. I think it was a holder phrase that so right. that you can wait till I got back, until you got back. Uh, so I did ask you on the first date and we went to the symphony and I drove and, uh, and you didn't you weren't interested in dating like
1: I, I was you were I ready was, to graduate. you We were in job. Indiana and I would I had a job back in Houston, which is where I'm from, and uh so I, I was
0: no, uh, not really looking I, for it. A... I
1: just wasn't thinking at all about <laughs> locking up with anybody before uh, before I headed out. So you asked me out and um we went and I'll tell you actually I'll mention one thing. Um it was um early March, but in Indiana. It was yes,
0: February, I think.
1: Is this February? Mm-hmm. And it was really snowy and cold, and um, Heather insisted on driving. She had a little Ford Explorer Sport that was about fifteen years <laughs> sport old. Sport
0: is really important. Then.
1: Well, it was small, and the heater didn't work, or at least she didn't believe the heater didn't work. It was, you know,
0: I believed it worked. It didn't. You not, said it didn't.
1: work. It it because it, it did not work, and so, but we had to stop at a gas station, and um, she popped open the hood and put in some steering fluid, which. Had kind of two impacts on me. First of all, it um, made me impressed that she actually knew what to do. And the second thing is that she actually had to add steering. <laughs> <laughs> so, needless to elite. say, that car did not come over with no, it
0: did not marriage. make it into the marriage. I brought myself, I didn't bring any debt. I had nothing in my she bank account. She came with
1: literally a zero balance, zero she had balance. no debt. And I was, no assets.
0: Hey, I, I had lots of great assets. <laughs> no monetary assets.
1: No, no monetary assets. Yeah. Well, good. So look, so we we got married and in ninety nine. In ninety nine, we're living in Chicago. And uh, tell us, you first... waited
0: until I graduated. I graduated early.
1: Correct. Yeah. So we got married about three years after
0: <clears throat>
1: we um, met. So then, tell us a little bit. There were some questions about your speech pathology background, and yeah. uh, tell us about that.
0: Uh, so, I don't know if you've picked up on this. Some of you asked about my dreams or what I think the future of God Center mom. I am not much of a futuristic, strategic person. I don't really like to overplan beyond the next day. Day? Day. (laughs) Ten minutes? (laughs) I don't plan my day. I don't have a to-do list. I don't. I, I'm bad at using calendars. I have um, m- I'm month challenged. So if I'm in one month, I can't think about the next month, and I'll just say yes to things and not realize that they. Overlap. Heather
1: describes herself as a pinball.
0: A pinball and a pinball machine. Yeah, I'm just bouncing from thing to thing. So you guys might think, oh, Heather, she's so organized. She gets out this podcast every week. How does she do it? Um, it's not because I'm organized. There's, there
1: is no structured process. No, she um, needs a. Usually time constraint. You operate really well. I
0: need Bruce to say, Heather, yeah, there's a deadline. Yeah, I have to have to force deadlines. But all of that to say, me as a college student, I liked the sexy job appeal of a pediatrician. So I went through all of college as a pre-med biology major. And that didn't happen. I got married instead. We moved to San Francisco. And no, we moved to Chicago. And I had no job worked as a teacher's aide, discovered speech pathology. We moved to San Francisco, and I somehow got into a program by being a community student. They didn't accept me as, like, a traditional graduate student.
1: San Francisco State so University. So the humbling
0: for me started there. Like, one, I was working as a teacher's aide after I was planning to go to med school, and I didn't. I was doing a high school-level job. And then I didn't even get in to a state university for a graduate program. I It was a lot of humbling, yeah. Uh, but then God, you know, I could work. There's lots of details in there where God worked. And anyway, I ended up at Northwestern. We ended up moving back to Chicago and got my degree then and loved it. Loved. I love kids, but I love science. And I'm, I'm intrigued by linguistics. Uh, if I look back, I'm really big in looking back at what interests you as a child and seeing how God put that in you and how he has a purpose for it as an adult. So. I even loved the movie My Fair Lady, like how <laughs> he studied her speech and helped change her accent. And, uh, I loved learning sign language, but I didn't connect the dots that, um, that maybe I should go into speech language pathology. I didn't know that was a career really. And so I did that for a few years at a university clinic here in Dallas and then, uh, did some private practice with a specialized field of childhood apraxia of speech, and
1: one thing I'll say about all of that there's a con- there's a common theme around communication. Yeah. So do, speech pathology is obviously <laughs> all around communication. Um, we had moved to Dallas right after Heather graduated from uh, graduate school, and um, she even taught a class at uh, University yeah, of North I, Texas.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was really fun. I had Quade, our firstborn, and I. Love to have something that's completed. Strength finders told me that the achievement side. I've mentioned that in the show before. And having a class that I prepared a lecture for, um, having tests, having something that was done and couldn't be undone was very rewarding. In a season when I had one baby at home, a student would watch him in my office. She was great with him. He's kind of high maintenance baby. And yeah, it just met a need for me as a human being to keep me sane in a hard season of transitioning from career to motherhood. I've always wanted to be a mom, but then when I discovered careers, I was kind of like, oh, this is, and, and I realized how hard motherhood was. It, it helped with that transition.
1: Yeah. Well, that's right. Cause you, um, you were still doing a little bit of speech pathology. Yeah. I, I could have a couple of clients.
0: December. Yeah. And he went to a lot of churches in Dallas have Mother's Day out programs where you can sign up for a day a week or two days a week. And it's a really cheap option, childcare for part time. So that's good.
1: Yeah. And then so as you as as he was getting older, um, you really weren't working full time. Mm -mm. Like you were prior, Mm -mm. um, but you were enjoying what you're doing. And then when our second was born, is that when you pretty much stopped practicing speech pathology?
0: I think there was a season where I even had a friend come over and watch the two kids. And then I had like a couple clients by the third. I definitely was completely done. Yeah. Completely. I think with the second two, I was helping my friend Kay. We wrote an assessment tool. And we were publishing that and yeah. I was speaking at speech pathology conferences. So again, speaking, communicating. It's all there. Teaching about it. Yeah. It
1: just came out in different ways. Yeah. Um, and then the, you know, as you stop doing that yeah. um, on a regular basis, you know, it was very clear is you did need an artistic outlet. You needed some way to, to express yourself Um, in additional ways. And so talk about that and how that led to really initially blogging.
0: Well, I think blogging came around the time before Facebook and neither of our parents lived near us. And so, well, my parents live with us right now in our house, but back then they didn't live near us. And that's how you told them you did stuff. We went to the zoo and there's pictures of you at the zoo. We, you know, just cute stories you would put on your blog. So I started a blog after my second, and it was it it was something to do, and again you feel accomplished, kind of like scrapbooking, but easier than scrapbooking.
1: But it wasn't yet God-centered mom.
0: No, Mm-mm. it was just. Putting that was stuff just out you. There. it was yeah, just you. Yeah, it was. Yeah the the transition I would say into making it more God-centered mom um, happened around the same time I discovered a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, Aaron Morgan, uh, I'd had my third and I was really struggling. Um, I am a very capable person. I can get a lot done. Um, I was hosting play groups and that kind of thing when we had one or two and music classes. And, you know, I liked to get, I liked to, be out and about. I'm that kind of a mom, not all moms. Some moms love to be home. I loved to have an outing in the morning and an outing in the afternoon. With 3 kids, I was finding myself home more, which didn't allow me to get my extroverted time. I was um the chaos of it. I couldn't because of my way I function and just responding, I couldn't can, I couldn't get a handle on all the chaos. And so I was just faltering. And she said, hey, have you ever heard of Cat Lee's um, uh, Inspired to Action Maximize Your, Maximize Your Mornings ebook? I was like, no. I was like, mornings? I'm not getting up any earlier. I mean, at the time with my third baby, what we would do is Bruce would get up with the boys when they got up super early. We have super early risers. Our oldest. Yeah. Still. It's like 6 a.m. and he's ready to go. Yeah. Um, Bruce would get up with them, feed them breakfast, get ready himself, and he would wait till he's about to walk out the door, and he would wake me up, and that's how it start my day.
1: That's hard to believe. Like I don't even really even remember that. That seems like that so long ago. But that's
0: how I would function. You would like tap me on the shoulder. You say I'm leaving now, and then my day would start with three little boys just needing me all day long, and I just couldn't catch a breath. And so I was at a desperate place, willing to try something else. And so I read cats. It's a, it's a short read. Um, she's actually working on a Hello Mornings book. Go cat. I'm very excited. For Spoiler her. alert. Well, everyone, she knows she's oh, announced okay. it. Yeah. Okay. Um, you had to do like the end of this month. So people, people know, but, uh, it helped me. I just would get, I would actually try it in my bed at first. Like I got up five minutes earlier and I would read one verse, pray for a little bit. And I think I did some pushups. And then it got to where like, I'd fall asleep in my bed. And then Kat started these accountability groups. Just before
1: you had ever even heard her speak?
0: Yeah. I hadn't met her yet. Okay. Um, and she had these accountability groups. No, maybe I had heard her once at Mops.
1: Yeah. That was a, I remember you came back that day.
0: Yeah. It was very life. And Kat is a big part of why I'm here. She is the part, the the whole reason I'm here. Um, But. She had these accountability groups to help you form the habit. Kat's really into habits. And that's helpful for me since I'm a habitual person. Like, I just do well in a routine.
1: Because if you don't have a habit, then Then you're the pinball. pinball. So you
0: you create a couple habits and it works for you. Yeah, it sticks. Mm -hmm. Um, So she was actually my accountability captain because it was such a small new thing that she was launching and I was in her time zone. And I got the flu that February, right, when we just started in January. And so I was only a couple weeks in. I was doing great. I was like, oh, maybe I can actually do this waking up before my kids thing. I can, I'm going to be successful in this. And then I got the flu, and it took me out for the week. I think we had to hire a child, like, someone to come babysit because I was so sick. And fortunately, Kat checked in on me. She said, I've noticed you haven't been interacting with the group. Are you okay? I said, yeah, I just had the flu. And it it made me realize, okay, I am not. I haven't failed because I missed out on a week. I can jump back into this. Because I know there's gals listening right now that you try something, and it, it may start working for a little bit, and then when it stops working or you... I don't know. I've, I've done this with workout regimens. You do it for a little while, and then you stop, and so you give it up completely. Um, it was just nice to have her checking in, so I didn't give it up completely. And then I also at that point, made a space downstairs, a room uh, in our house already. I just A chair, really. It was my parents' chair. They moved to Costa Rica. They gave us some of their furniture, and it was um, a leather chair that my dad had had in his office. And I set up a little table next to it, and I had a lamp there that was on, so it was like soft light. It was A cup like, of coffee. We figured out how to set our timer on our coffee machine. <laughs> and... I could get the coffee and be in my chair and everything was there and I didn't have to think. And it was such a life giving time where I was filling into me before the boys woke up. And so I started meeting with God there and he started speaking and that's when I started writing what he was teaching me on the blog. And then, uh, I was at a mops, um, I was supposed to speak at a mops, like alumni thing. The royal wedding was that morning, and so I was up at 3 a.m. watching the royal wedding at Leslie's house, Mm -hmm. and uh, I get to the MOPs event, and my really good friend Misty was in charge, and I was sitting next to her, and I I was hearing my other friends share their alumni stories. I was like, well, everyone's kind of said everything. I don't think I need to talk. She's like, Heather, don't be dumb. Just go up there. And I go up there, and I'm telling my story, my mom's story of being humbled and how I was really child centered at first with my oldest. And then I was really self-centered when I got to the second and the third and how God's really humbling me and showing me to be God centered. And I literally said the words up there up front. And that's when the idea came to me through a time of speaking. So again, it's God showing that's what he had for me. And, um, and I started the blog that June. So right after that, the next month did that for a few years.
1: You know, it's interesting. It reminds me of a conversation I had earlier um, today um, with a guy who um, we were talking about his giftedness and where he draws his passion. And, you know, he was, he was mentioning, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure where that is. And I said, well, what do people come to you for? Mm. And um, I said, because if people repetitively coming to you for something, um, your passion and your. You know, giftedness probably lies closely nearby. And that is your story here as is, you know, just you you always get pulled into communication in one way or another.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Yep.
1: So, so here you are. You've, you've gone through the child centered first kid experience. (sighs) You're, um.
0: Which looks like you do everything for them. That's what child centered looks like. You like reshape your whole life for them.
1: Yep. Yeah. And actually, you know, I'm going to, um, ask you to share another story, which is the parking lot story at the Dallas Arboretum.
0: Oh, it was actually in the Arboretum. Yeah.
1: Cause I think that was during your child centered stage.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of working through that stuff with recovery. You want me to tell it now?
1: Yeah, I think you should.
0: I've kind of told, I might've told it already. I don't know where I've told stuff. Um, I was at the Arboretum. I had, My oldest was about two and I had a newborn. I was feeding him a a bottle I'd made and I think I'd even like pumped so that I didn't have to breastfeed in public. These are things people need to know. Um, Just like it's the first time I think I'd really taken the two of them to that crazy of a situation. And I was by myself and it's like you go with pumpkins and all this jazz. Anyway, I'm kind of fumbling and an older mom who I didn't know her, but I knew she went to our church and I knew our church happened to be there with their mops group. I wasn't in mops at the time. She said, may I help you? And I said, oh no, I'm fine. Which I was obviously not fine. It's again my pride. Like, I'm, I want to look like I've got it all together. And she said, well, does the toddler have a snack?" Because she had a British accent. And I said, oh, I think so. And I pointed where it was and she grabbed it out of the bag and she offered one to my oldest. And he, in this horrible just tone and manner and turned his whole body away. He's like, no, he refused her offer of the snack. And I looked at her and I said, Oh, I'm so sorry. He hasn't had a nap. I like put every single excuse. He's teething. It's a full moon. I don't know. I pulled out every excuse I've ever used. And she said, why as mothers do we feel like we need to apologize for our children? If he wants to be a jerk, let him be a jerk. And, I started crying because I don't let him be a jerk. I, there's so much of the umbilical cord still being attached to him and my identity being how he functions, how he is. If he's unkind, I'm unkind. If if he fails, I fail. And, you know, even in this recovery for life that we're doing, it's so much of you're, you're responsible for your hoop. I cannot control people, and it is still a lesson. I think I'm going to be learning the whole my entire life. It's recovery for life, I guess, but yeah.
1: So I kind of jumped ahead with that, but I I think it's an important theme And so far as you kind of talked about then the focus on this God-centered mindset. So then how did the podcast get
0: started and all that? Oh, the podcast was when our fourth was born, I got this random email from an agent and I thought it was one of those like, I'm Prince Naboo from Abu Dhabi. Will you send me $4 million? Instead, he said, I'm Ann Voskamp's agent, and um, have you ever considered publishing? I was like, this is real. Anyway, so uh, to fast forward time, I signed with him. Um, I started working on a book. It never came to fruition. Uh, Proposal after proposal, I kind of, I just kept dropping it, picking it back up, feeling like I was supposed to do the mom thing. No, I'm supposed to be obedient. God brought me this opportunity. I need to write the book. Bruce got to watch me, <coughs> him and Hall, back and forth with the book thing. So I finally decided I'm going to let go of some commitments, really make this book a priority, talk to my agent. We're going to meet with publishers. I get to this event. I think I'm meeting with publishers, and I'm not. And he's telling me he doesn't really think there's a market for mom books right now. And it's not going to happen. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is dry bones. I just heard, um, Bianca from A21 talk about dry bones and Ezekiel. And I said, this is my dry bones and I can't make this into life. Like only God can breathe life into this Mm -hmm. book thing. And I need to wait for his timing. Uh, and so I was thinking, you know, I, went back home and I was talking to Kat, my friend Kat and my friend Katie Orr and they both had podcasts and I was like, you know, I think I should just start a podcast and they helped me set it up. And I just started with my mentors and some people I was already connected with because of blogging. And, um, even because I had, uh, that agent, I knew some authors already that, you know, were great guests on the show early on. And anyway, I just kept going.
1: One thing I'll, Share having lived that story. um, On your side, as the husband, as a
0: God-centered dad.
1: Was, um, when you, when you work on the podcast, it energizes you. It doesn't mean it's not work. I mean, it's obviously it's work and there's times when you need to do editing or, or something, um, in order to, to make it all happen. But for the most part, it's fun. Like when you're doing the podcasts, when you're, I'm communicating anything around it, it. You really draw energy from it, um, and even more so than when you are writing. And mm-hmm. and I think that that
0: yeah, yeah, you're all about your strengths and your giftedness and doing what you love. And so I don't know yeah, why do something? Why why spend so much energy on something that doesn't come naturally? We we sometimes devalue the things that that were. That come most easily. We think they're not important. Yeah. What well, That can't be important. That's too easy. Right. Like my friends who are so good at organizing. I'm like, you're amazing at organizing. Can you please help me? I've literally asked like five people to come to my house. It's a disaster. And they're like, oh no, that's too easy. Uh, 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 come over. People come over here. Help me.
1: Yeah. Sometimes people feel guilty when they're doing things that they're naturally gifted at because it comes so easy and it's so fun that surely it must not be as important. Yeah, as time spent on things that make us miserable.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So we've actually hit, you know, a lot of there are a lot of questions about kind of balancing it all and, and, and the nuttiness of life. You know, I think you know you talk sometimes even about being the God-centered mom. Oh what that my means. gosh! Yeah, I
0: don't really love that. <laughs> I don't love that. Like when people say, "Oh, you're the God-centered mom." No, 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 totally not. I was really nervous y'all would give me questions of like how to be amazing and I don't, I never want to bring on so many guests that you, you have this expectation in this bar so high that you put so much stress on yourself. Cause I've been there and you feel like you're failing every day. How many days would I end the day saying I'm a terrible mom? Um,
1: yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not uncommon.
0: <laughs> it's not uncommon. So
1: based on the questions that we saw on Facebook and Instagram, you know, I'll, I'll just tell you, Heather will agree. She struggles from the same things you (laughs) all struggle with. I
0: was like, I don't think I can answer that one. I can't answer that one. I don't know how to answer that one. I'm, I'm not, I'm not like amazing at this. That's not the point of the God center mom. The point of the God center mom is that you are connected with God And you are seeing what matters to him for your family. And you are seeing how he equipped you. And you're getting his eyes to see your kids. Instead of thinking God-centered mom means holy, perfect, get it all right, do it all amazing. No, that, that would be a failure. If I ever gave that impression that the goal is to have all these guests on so that you do it perfectly, then I failed. That's not what I want. That's not the cool.
1: Yeah. And I'll add, you know, Heather talked about her morning um, time with God. And I'll tell you, when she doesn't do it, she's a different person.
0: Yeah. It's not pretty. It's not. It's not pretty. I yell. I'm mean. I'm grumpy. I was talking to some friends today. We were talking about what really matters what lasts in your motherhood. It's they and they summarized it really well. Emotions and traditions. Emotions. How do your kids feel? And I think when I'm not connected with God, my kids feel shamed. They feel um, that I am disapproving of them, disappointed in them, annoyed by them. And um, traditions, I just don't have energy to to have the joy and the enthusiasm to do our family values on repeat. You know, that's all traditions are. It's whatever your family values. Doing it regularly. Church, dinner, bedtime routine.
1: Yeah. Well, and, you know, one thing I'll add, you know, there was in, in all the nuttiness, you know, there was a, a few people that were asking questions about, you know, how do you feel alone? What's it like? Oh, with all the boys. With all the boys.
0: Yeah. The nuttiness of the boys. Yeah. I could cry about that. I've told you that at dinner. I'm like, I just feel so alone. <laughs> and you're like, uh, just not, what can you do about it? Yeah. The truth is, I am alone. What do you do about it? Marry him off so I get some girls? I don't know. We got to wait a little bit. I do have boys that are sweet. I, I think. No, they are. I think I have a couple of boys that enjoy some things that I enjoy. That I have a lot of communicators. I had a teacher tell me during parent-teacher conferences that she can have better lunch conversations with one of my boys than some adults. So we have communicators. Sometimes they're not so great at dinner. Like tonight, (laughs) Tonight I was a little annoyed, but, um,
1: (laughs) so, but you, you mentioned an interesting point right there. Um, which is regardless of whether, you know, you are even our cats a boy. Um,
0: (laughs) okay. I don't, Connect
1: with a cat. Well, but what I'm saying is like, it's, it's not just about gender, but I mean, you're, you find places where you could connect. I mean, you could have four girls here and have less areas of of overlap than you do with
0: four boys. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I think I make a point to connect with a lot of women outside of our home. I've been blessed by that. A lot of friendships outside of our home. Um, so, I, and I don't know what it is to have a daughter and to do daughter things. Can't compare.
1: I'm sure someday if you have four daughters-in-law, I'm sure that's going to present its own to. I know. Challenges. Enjoy this <laughs> one. I got it.
0: I pray that all the daughter-in-laws love each other. That's what I pray.
1: But I'll, I'll say when we were at the hospital, when we found out that we were having a fourth boy,
0: what the ultrasound, yeah.
1: With the ultrasound, there was there was tears.
0: Oh, yeah. Like everyone. And this is the thing. Here's the deal. Now, now I can cry. You ready to cry?
1: Oh, yeah. I've already been crying. I've been crying this <laughs> whole time.
0: And you've not been crying. We haven't even laughed. We haven't even been funny at all. It's not funny, such a, Um, Is I would call my dad, and he would say, the world needs more godly men. And that's... It gave me ultimate purpose. This isn't about me getting to go get pedicures with a daughter. This isn't about me going to a ballet recital. This is about God's plan and his goal and his legacy. And that he would entrust me with four leaders of homes is humbling. And it changes the game. It takes it from, it's about me and my comfort and getting to watch Anna Green Gables, which some of my boys like Anne of Green Gables um, to a bigger plan and a bigger purpose and a greater purpose.
1: We're not going to tell you which boys like the of Green Gables. <laughs> okay. Thanks for
0: making me laugh.
1: So. Um,
0: Wait, I have to dry out my chairs.
1: Okay. Well, you know, um, I, I think also <laughs> I try to get her also from a comforting point on, you know, I, um, we, we have a bizarre spelled last name. We have um, a crazy spelled last um, name. Yeah. It never gets spelled right. You can imagine the mail we get. But, um, all that said, um, you know, I, I was the only boy with three sisters. My father was the only boy with four sisters. You have to go way up the family tree to hit a McFadden yeah, yeah, with yeah, our spelling. Yeah, your
0: great-grandfather had no brother, no siblings.
1: Yes. I mean, there's, I, I'm not even sure the last one up there, but so I tell Heather that, you know, the family tree comes out from her. So the matriarch. she's the matriarch. So, um, that's at least the, yeah, the optimistic story. Yeah. Um, well, good. So I, I want to kind of finish with kind of two, two other questions. One was, you know, people want to know about some of the, your podcast that you've done that had the biggest impact on you and yeah. some of the people you'd interviewed.
0: Well, whenever people say my favorite, I always think of the ones I did in person. I don't know. There's something it's about, about the that experience. Yeah. For me, um, I really loved interviewing Vicki craft. It truly felt like holy ground when I left, I just bawled my eyes out because it was like she had one foot in heaven and one foot here on earth. And she was speaking with such strength and wisdom and perspective that I left just feeling like grounded in the truth of who God is. And it it was empowering. And then Jen Klaus, same, her talking about heaven and, and even the perspective of, she only got to mother her son for five years and then she has to leave him to God for the outcome. I mean, she and how we talked about, I think this is a huge important point of when those early little years feel so wasted. It feels so like, why does it even matter? They aren't even going to remember. And you look at the Bible And you look at Moses and his mom only had him for four years and he knew the one true God enough to, uh, say yes and recognize him in a bush and say, okay, God, I'll go and, and fight for your people. And then, uh, Samuel same, he, his mom only had him for about four years and he knew that just like she said, she prayed to the God who hears He slept as close as he could to the Holy of Holies and got to hear God speak. So I think that these early years have a huge impact on how kids know God. We underestimate. I love teaching preschool kids because of that. They're just the best, just the best.
1: Well, the last question is, is there ever a book in your future?
0: Wow. Well, if if and when God breathes life into that, that's the answer. Right now, he has me really excited about different themes related to how he communicates with us. And um, a lot he's showing me in my quiet time, a lot of Hebrew words that he's constantly showing me. And so if those all combine and I, don't know, I could see taking some of the speech pathology experience I've had, and some of the things he's teaching me here, and it could all—it could all be a book if God, if God makes it. Right now, I don't I have no time, no space. It would have to be miraculous, Holy Spirit written book. But
1: one day at a time—that's how you go.
0: I am very—I do not have plans, people.
1: Well, look, I just really appreciate your time. <laughs> appreciate you being available for this. Oh
0: my goodness, I feel like. Let me just make sure there's no questions we missed. Be- oh, someone asked what's the difference between doing a quiet time and being with Jesus. But that's serious again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, let's make them laugh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, the balancing it all. What do you say? There's no such thing as balance.
1: Yeah, there isn't.
0: What's is your favorite word? Say it. It's fine, it's teaching.
1: Well I'm trying to think what we're, what were you talking about
0: well lopsided
1: oh yes yeah i i um this came up uh a few months ago um and a a term that you know begin to realize that people seek to be well rounded largely because they love the gifts that others have and they love them more than the gifts that they were given and so what you find is I- instead it turns into everybody trying as best as possible to be mediocre at a lot of things. And I heard this word back in August, somebody threw out the term well lopsided. And they said, if you really think about the people who have the biggest impact, and not just on our economy or on politics, it's but just in general, if you look, about the, look at the people that you look and respect, they're generally not well-rounded. They generally are well lopsided. There's a few things that they do really well. They do better than most people. And they are doing those things.
0: Yeah, and I think Instagrams, uh, social media in general, we aren't seeing the whole of people's lives because it's, sometimes it's not appropriate for them to show. Hmm. Other times, it's not gonna get a like, so nobody shows it. But if you saw my home, you would see where I'm well lopsided. Yeah, it is not. There are definite strengths and weaknesses, and um, and I would much rather work on the podcast than do laundry then organize there's a lot of things i don't do that people i notice other moms do and i'm like oh i probably should do that i don't
1: well i'll tell you for me it's like maintenance work around the <laughs> house is <laughs> not a part of my well-lopsidedness
0: you <laughs> know and look i can bad. change
1: a light bulb but
0: hey that's good but
1: um the reality is that's not a gift now i recognize there's things you have to do um and some of them barely get done but
0: as far as setting boundaries for me. I don't usually work on the podcast when the boys are around on the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. On the weekend, Bruce will, we'll have afternoon quiet time or whatever, video game time, and I'll work on it then. But I have two days when everybody's at school. So that's when I can work. Um, I, again, I'm not very organized, so I don't love when I leave all the podcasts for the weekend.
1: So Um, sometimes we have to create, Actually, when you're most successful, we create like false timelines.
0: Yeah, fake. fake like, oh, fake if you fake do, if, if
1: you don't get this done by three o'clock on Friday, I'm trouble. You're in trouble. The whole big trouble. Yeah, I mean, you're. you're it's not getting done. I'm
0: not getting it done. Oh, someone asked how often I shower and how do I shower? I mean, I don't think they mean exactly how do I
1: shower. <laughs> Use a loofah.
0: Loofah <laughs> <laughs> is essential. When they were little, I was a big fan of um, the Johnny jump up in the doorway.
1: Uh-huh. Oh, if yeah. one of
0: them was, like, in a crawling stage and I didn't want them crawling over the house. Um, I definitely, every other day, is plenty of showering to me. There's dry shampoo for a reason. And as someone taught me, you do dry shampoo and then you use the hairdryer dryer to, like, help fluff it out. I didn't know that was a step. That's what I did. I learned that. And... Um, I've kept toys in our bathroom in a drawer, like special toys that were just for when I took a shower. And we have a glass shower door so I can see through. If you lock them all in your bedroom, it's very doable. Containment. Containment. Yeah. That's how I do that. Um, If y'all are curious about my advice for young moms, new mom years, there is an episode that I interviewed uh, or a gal interviewed me and we talk about new mom stuff. Oh, my testimony. Someone said, let's hear testimony two times. My testimony is uh, I would say the first step of me saying I believe in Jesus and that he died on the cross and he rose again. I was in kindergarten. I remember it was nap time and our teacher just told us the gospel and I went to up to her desk after nap time and told her I wanted to pray with her. And then it was just a continual learning and different layers of surrender. I think in high school, a mission trip I went on and just an encounter with God there and then college, another moment where I was put in a position of leadership and having to really lean on God at a new level. I think you continually, the onion keeps, so even in motherhood in the last year, I've had another layer of connecting with God and he just keeps revealing himself. Even since I've started God Center Mom, what I thought it meant and what it actually means is different. You don't have to force God into your life. He's already there. It's all the layers that you're putting in between Him and you.
1: Well, I think something also right there is, it's not about creating a plan necessarily and sticking to it. It's about you know
0: just letting He's He's gonna He's pursuing every single person. Yeah, He's pursuing every single He desires intimate relationship with you. That's His goal. It's whether you lean into it, surrender to it. You either choose to be humble, or you will be humbled. Right? We've learned that, right? Yep. Circumstances will continue to come at you, and and uh, it could it, it could be a variety of things. A variety of things. All right. You're happy that I came on the show? I
1: am really happy, and and you know I might want to have you for episode 290.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! See, I can't. That just I, if somebody was said, Heather, you're going to start a podcast, and you're going to do it for three years. I would have said, nope, sorry, I'm not going to do that that's the thing i don't think future so
1: well welcome thank you thank,
0: thank you y'all. for, listening, Thanks for to listening episode 145 okay yeah it's good bye well thank y'all for hanging in there with that and my stuffy nose and <laughs> drippy nose crying it is harder to be the guest than the interviewer i will say that i Uh, Thank you for sending in the questions, and I know I didn't get to a lot of them. Some of them, I really want you all to know that this mothering thing is not about finding the perfect program or finding the perfect parenting method or the right curriculum to use with your kids to teach them about the Bible. My hope, and I think I said this in the interview, is that you yourself would be centered in god and his word that you would know him and how he equipped you and how he made you that you would know his values for your family and that you would move from that place uh i hope you also realize multiple times how not together i am and that uh you should never ever ever think oh that heather she must have it all together (laughs) that kind of rhymed I don't. I don't want to be ever that that, that expectation to ever be of me because that's too hard to keep up. Got a couple emails this week and a couple notes this week. I want to share with you from Bloni. She said she wanted to thank me um, that this podcast matters and it has made an impact on her marriage, in her home life, and I love this part. And in her heart. She's finding more joy in the not-so-fun tasks of life as she listens while she does housework. She has only been listening for about a month, but she's re-listened to several episodes, and, they have, and she's been recommending it to her friends. She is so grateful to have found the podcast. A lot of you saw my picture with my mom praying over my son this week, and it brought you a lot of encouragement to think about you being that first-generation believer. It matters, and I know you don't have a have a, mod, have a, model, a model model to look up to. Um, I pray daily that y'all would have mentors and women in your life that could answer your questions and direct you when you get discouraged. That you would have a team and a rally around you. That's why I love the GCM podcast clubs. That you would have people in your life to cheer you on when you get discouraged and, and you make a mistake and you think, Well, that's it. I'm a terrible mom. I, I knew I couldn't do this. I don't have a model for this too hard and they can say you know what I feel too it's okay just get back up um, we have bad days we have grace abounding and uh, you know I had some really discouraging days even this week I had a discouraging day yesterday with my boys and I thought is it even worth it like I have invested you know a lot of time and energy in loving these boys and and I see sometimes the fruit of how they're acting and I get discouraged and then God gives me a little gift. Uh, one of my sons, the littlest one, he saw me having my quiet time and he went and found a Bible and he found a pencil and he started underlining it as if he was having his Bible study. They see you. And they will they will do what you do more than they'll do what you say. It matters our our faithfulness to things even if we fail. And so my hope is uh, for each of you, is that you would get back up again if you had a rough weekend, if you had a rough day today, if you think uh, you just can't be that first generation believer mom, that there's a there are multiple generations coming after you, and and they will benefit from this being a priority in your life, even if you don't see the immediate fruit. They will stand on your shoulders. Your ceiling will be their floor. And it is going to have ripple effects for the kingdom of God. So be encouraged, moms. Thank you again for listening to this episode. I know you've been listening to my voice a lot already. So I will stop. Merry Christmas, y'all. Have a great day. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he go to GodCenterMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping Him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and He is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 317, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.